everyone, this is uh, Ian Gardner uh, with the Unicorn Farm, another thrilling episode. Uh, so I'm here in Melbourne, uh, I've got Darcy Naunton, is that the right pronunciation? It is. Uh, from York Butter Factory, so um, yeah, like, one thing I hadn't ever asked you Darcy is like, how did you get to being Mr. Startup in Melbourne? Um, it was mostly by accident actually I, I've been telling people recently it's mostly through naivety and stupidity that it, event, it happened in the first instance um, in my previous life I was an investment consultant and um, advising pension funds and super funds how to put their money with fund managers and I think I kind of plateaued temporarily in my career and looking for something slightly different um, I guess I found a, my business partner in Argentina and he <laughs> offered up something completely different is that um, Stu? Stu. So yeah, Stuart Richardson I and I... So you met in Argentina? Met in Buenos Aires in uh, Backpackers and he had plans to start an early stage venture fund investing wow. in technology companies, which was probably something that was completely different to what I had been doing, but I guess I yeah. knew a little bit about structuring funds and um, performance and accessing institutional investment and uh, how they would assess um, you know, the track record and the team and the process and... Um, make investments. So I thought, you know, there was something I could bring to that equation. And yeah. um, turns out, what I knew was f- fairly irrelevant. Um, so I had to make up most of it on the job. Um, so have you ever done a startup of your own? No, I hadn't done a startup of, of my own. I guess the York Butter Factory was the the first real thing that we started from scratch. I guess if, with the exception of the venture fund. So um, wow. yeah, we just jumped in with two feet and off we went. Stuart previously done a, his own consulting business and run yeah. it for seven years with a partner. So he, he knew what it was like to be a small business or a startup, yeah. but uh, it was all new to me. So um, yeah. so how, how long ago was that? Well, that was going back five years, I think. So. Like yourself, we had um, an angel investment network in Melbourne called Aurelius Digital, yep. and that was our minimum viable product. So we, right. we kind of tested the water. I think if we could get a bunch of investors in a room and some startups to pitch to them and some money would change hands, then you know you can make a case for intermediating that and starting a venture fund. And um, I think Because Aurelius was six or seven years ago now. Is, is that right? Or even more? Uh, probably not that far back. I, I think it was about five. Um, right. And there was uh, Jack Craze, Stuart Richardson and myself were organising yeah. that in the early days. and um, Yeah, so that was a successful one. We had Nitro PDF pitch at our first yeah. um, oh, event, yeah. which yeah, was a, pretty well. a, a great success and gave us the uh, maybe the false confidence to, uh, to jump straight into this. Um, so you went from Aurelius and then you thought, this is working, let's go and buy a, a space in city centre Melbourne and turn it into a startup factory. Is that- no, it was... Slightly different. So the the angel network came first, and then we then the venture fund was always sort of in progress, yeah. and it was about you know knocking on as many doors as possible. Obviously, in the process of taking pictures and starting to deploy a little bit of money, we started to meet a lot of um, people that were working as startup uh, people, and they weren't um, necessarily in a good space, or they you know they they didn't know about co working as a concept. I think Inspire Nine was the only functional co working right. space around, and. I think it was moving and quite nascent as well back in those days. So yeah. um, we also didn't really feel comfortable working in a 50th floor office tower and wanted to move somewhere a bit more um, you know, on the street with the, yeah. the people that we were going to be investing in and learning from them and working with them and you know, sourcing good people from a space. So we, we went about structuring or putting together a, the York Butter Factory. And I'm just thinking... Just- to, to Sydney, I mean, fish burners and your butter factory are often uttered in the same sentence. I mean, they were up and running before you started, is that right? Or not? 
I was very close. I seem I can't recall who was first. Right. Uh, we were October of 2011. So did, and did you talk to them around that time? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. We we talked to all the Pete's um, right. and uh, kept in close touch. I think we were a lot of startups or startup spaces were coming into existence around then so you know we talked to river city labs as they were yep. coming in uh we talked to space cubed who came yep. after us as well and sort of gave our insights on the space and how to run it and you know what we found worked and didn't work yeah um so yeah i think fish burners and spy nine and your butter factory seem to be the ones that go back the furthest um probably the hub in melbourne not not dissimilar timing as well but i mean but you are selective with who you allow to come in, is that right? Yeah, I mean, we've got the privilege of having a, a queue out the door now, and we, we're trying to curate people that, I guess, fit our investment thesis as a fund, but more as a community, we want to have everyone to be as similar as possible right. without being competitive. So uh, I think that the community gets the most benefit if they've got similar stage, similar aspiration people around them that can help them with different problems. So, yeah, we were lucky enough to find this building. We've been vacant for two years, and... Um, we we said well, look looks great a little bit of a, a coat of paint and um, polish up the floorboards it should look pretty nice and um, that was the that was after adventure capital had started so we, we went about just tapping everyone we could think of on yeah. the shoulder and we managed to get all of eight people including ourselves as the first tenants and it was pretty sparse in here yeah. we only occupied one of the two floors and um, we didn't have a kitchen or running water or um, even a fibre connection, it was dual ADSL links and um, it was all a bit rough and we'd, we'd acquired so no, all... no running water, that sounds a bit medieval, is that, uh, how did that work? Well, we had a bathroom, uh, or men's and ladies' bathrooms, but we didn't have a functional kitchen so we had to go and buy slabs of water every day <laughs> for people to actually be able to drink some water at, at the office. Right. Yeah, definitely a bit medieval. So, and, and you didn't buy the building, did you? I mean, are you re- leasing? No, it's, um, this is in the same footprint as the Rialto building, which is okay. one of Melbourne's larger buildings and... It's, um, it's owned by the same owners, so we they happen to be our first investor as well. So oh, that's pretty handy. It was, they they cut us a reasonably good deal and you know let us in fairly early and um, we're accommodating with how we uh, made our early rent payments because we are still 100% privately funded yeah. between Stu and myself. So yeah, um, you know we invest other people's money, but these businesses are our own. So we had to. Um, tread carefully in the early days not to incur too much expense yeah. at once to, to break the bank so so going back to the original thesis so you thought your butter factory will bring in brilliant founders great startups and then there'll be a conveyor belt through to uh, investment by uh, adventure so I mean, tell us about that process how it's going and some of the investments you've made yeah sure I mean yeah we the conveyor belt analogy is not one I've heard before but it makes sense yeah, yeah. We, we kind of wanted an end-to-end um, I guess slice of the ecosystem if people chose to, to follow our particular yeah. route through it all um, but equally be able to pick and choose what things are valuable to them yeah so we helped start up um, Silicon Beach drinks as one of the early sort of uh, I guess jumping off points that a, a entrepreneur or an early an early entrepreneur might find useful just to socialize ideas and meet people um, I guess had um, other things like Startup Weekend start here, which we help run nationally now, and yep. we we sit on the oversight committee that looks over all of Australia and runs in fifteen cities and does thirty plus events a year. So again, another education piece for entrepreneurs. Um, then I guess next step being you need a place to build that business. You might come to York Butter Factory and work on it. 
Um, next step maybe is Aurelius Digital. You go pitch some angels and get some money for it. And then finally, hopefully, you end up at our doorstep at yeah. uh, Venture Capital and we can write the check and see you through, I guess, Australia expansion, proving out this this region and then um, help you find the next investors to go uh, further afield. Okay, so uh, tell us about some of the investments then. So who have you invested in? How many deals? What sort of size? Um, our average investment size has been about $300,000, $400,000 yep. um, over the multiple checks, um, and that's over the 13 or so investments we've made totally. Okay. Um, and I guess we've also... Um, tinkered on the sides with some some fintech companies which we're looking at at the moment yeah um but yeah the the investment portfolio is looking good we've only had um i think one company's um been acquired and moved on and uh, um the rest are all sort of swimming along so we're pretty happy with how the first fund's gone So, so no debts uh, well, one went into administration, but then got bored out of administration. So um, okay. it still survives. And if the the new company IPOs, then there's a result yeah, to be had. Because often at that, you know, earlier, I mean, I'll call it earlier. It's not you know super early stage, but that sort of uh, up to a million dollars check size, you'd expect some deaths within the thirteen portfolio. I mean, like I don't know about your your thoughts, but people ask me about angel investment and how, uh, you know, what sort of success rate you should get, but out of 10 investments, you'd probably get, you know, two to five that'll die, a couple that'll do okay, and the other three will make the make the money. Yeah. Is that your yeah, view? I mean, that, that's the conventional wisdom. In our experience, you know, we haven't had the deaths, so uh, maybe time will tell right. if, um, if that comes to fruition, but at the moment, um, none so far. So yeah. we're pretty happy with that. Um, but probably on the high side and the, the, the flying companies that are doing really well and dragging up the portfolio, then there's probably two in our mix that we are particularly interesting and think I definitely uh, have the ability to make back the fund and then yeah. some. So. Okay, so I know you're not meant to have favourite children. You know, it's probably uh, against the grain, but who, who are your two or three favourite children? Okay, well, I can... Um, I'll say one-to-one cast, or now called Omni, is definitely uh, up there because we've seen that company through from um, more or less a pitch deck back three years ago now. Um, yeah. we, we kind of broke uh, our own rules and saw some potential in a company that had not written a line of code yet and yeah. um, figured that the team and the idea and the problem space was, was correct and that um, they were backable even at that early stage. And yeah. So we've gone through that whole journey, which is part of our experience as well as investors to, to start from the start. Um, and there was a the pretty young team, if I remember, because I met young team, Ed yeah. a few weeks ago and a very talented young man. Yeah, I think the whole team's still in their 20s, albeit late 20s yeah. now, um, and yeah, mid-20s at the time we met them. So, But they had enough experience, um, Andrew, in a corporate dev environment yeah. and um, long as a blogger and a... Um, fairly influential uh, person of note on the internet and, and it had done some impressive stuff at ANZ and yeah. um, Groupon as well. So pretty good experience for a young team and uh, we've followed that all the way through. Um, okay, so you got Omni. Like, who, who else? Um, Miyagi's Kicking Goals. Yeah. Um, it's a sales, um, I guess, training and enablement uh, platform to do video delivery, which trains retailers how to um, effectively sell better merchandise by yep. giving them the insights from the supplier how to well, what are the latest models what is the latest uh, information that they need to know in order to be set better salespeople and then uh, providing a gamification sort of incentive for the salespeople to do that yep. uh, and so that that's been strength to strength um, give us one more give us one more um, um, 
one more that's probably not as sexy as those two, but um, Dunsafe's an OH&S platform that we're really excited about. Uh, it's just a simple, easy dashboard yeah. in order to manage your um, uh, director's liabilities and um, yeah. I guess the health and safety of your employees. So everyone needs to have something in place. Um, most people use Excel or Word or yeah. uh, some scrappy documents. This is a nice way to look after your employees and um, make sure you don't go to jail at the same time. So yeah. that's a really good opportunity, I think. Um, you know, it's an under-service space, which we like. It's business-to-business, business, which we like. And yeah. software as a service with recurring revenues, again, which we like. So, And I, and I think I saw in the in the press a few weeks ago that you and uh, Stu were out raising a, a new fund or new money. So tell us about that. Yeah, correct. Um, so the first fund has now sort of been run through. Um, we wrote our last check um, two weeks ago. Um, so then it's time to go out and shake the tin again, I suppose. Yeah. And how's that going? Um, I've still got a bit of work to do on the legal and structure inside, yeah. so Stu's kicking me in the butt saying, no, <laughs> get on with it so I can... Well, I'm sure he's out selling. Never, never confuse sales with execution. Correct, yeah. So he's already warming people up for it. Um, it should be a lot easier the second time around, relatively speaking, because right. the first one we didn't have a track record. We didn't yeah. really have a name for ourselves at all in um, startups. We were just one of very few people doing it, which was our only advantage then. So you're raising a little more this time, so how much? Um, yeah, the aim is at least 30 mil. Okay. Um, I would, you know, Stu would like to go up to potentially 50 or 60, yeah. so we'll, um, we'll see how we go with that. Um, so how, how long does something like that take? Um, well, we're giving ourselves calendar 2015 to do it. Um, right. I've got the next couple of months is uh, legal work for me, so um, that'll be fun and then yeah. should be off and racing later this year, I suppose. So that sounds like a similar thesis to to the way that Blackbird raised their money. Is that right? So, I mean, it was a similar amount from a similar sounding group of people. I mean, I suspect you're knocking in different doors being in the Melbourne market a bit yeah, more correct. deeply. No, I think that's um, probably a similar group. You know, tech entrepreneurs that have exited are a great source of money because they understand um, what we're doing. You don't have to explain to them the risks and yeah. the, um, I guess, the payoffs. Yeah. Um, so that's an obvious one. Um, there's yeah, a lot of family money. There's not money. thousands of them, unfortunately. No, not yet. Not. But but they are very uh, giving of their time yeah. and of their experience. And there's also synergies with them actually. Yeah. You know, potentially co-investing. It's yeah. sometimes an interest to them. Um, I guess Melbourne's got a reasonable amount of family office money that we uh, we have some insights into. Uh, and then there's uh, surprisingly a lot of interest in larger corporates, ASX listed um, businesses that are looking to not build internal capability in terms of corporate venturing, but yeah. um, I guess get a view of the market via something like our fund. So yeah. that will probably be a surprisingly large contributor, I think, of our funding. So look, just touching on that, so, I mean, Telstra's got Muru D, Westpac's got Reinventure. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a trend, you know, AMP's kicking something off, I mean, yep. NRMA. I mean, they're all, you wouldn't say they're all at it, but... Is your view that corporates are going to get more involved in corporate accelerators? Yeah, look, it's not a new concept. This has been around for decades, but um, it certainly seems that we've had a lot crop up recently. Um, and I think the the ones that can get it as far outside of the the, the day-to-day business as possible, the better. I quite like what reinventure has done in yeah. terms of the way they've structured it and kept it relatively arm's length from yeah. themselves. Um, I, I haven't engaged with some of the newer programs but you know I'm more than familiar with for example Optus Innovate who have been yeah. around doing this for a long time now and have been a, an investor in Omni uh, yep. the one I talked about previously 
Um, so yeah, I think at the moment we're seeing quite a propensity for bigger businesses to engage with startups and whether that be as an investor or as a customer, um, either way, it's, it's really good for this market. And I think that's one of the things that is really catalyzing the change that we're seeing at the moment. I think there's more money around in this ecosystem because they're willing yeah. to engage yeah, so, I mean, let, let's just maybe move from the specifics to just more general observations. I mean, that is probably an interesting one. It's like, uh, you know, we, we often look around the startup sector and people ask me what it's like, and the general answer is, well, it's much better than it used to be. It's still not quite and never will be, unfortunately, um, Silicon Valley. But, I mean, so what's your view? I mean, the last 10 years really has gone from kind of nothing to, to where we are now. I mean, are you... You're obviously bullish because you're still uh, at it and making investments and raising new money, but any general observations on the sector and where it's going here? Um, yeah, it's it's been a, a developing market, I suppose, for tech entrepreneurs in Melbourne and Australia generally. Um, when we first came into the scene five or so years ago, there was relatively little, and I think a lot of the, the better investors or um, entrepreneurs had um, departed, so... We could go over to the US and find a lot of successful Australian people, but they'd already um, gone. Yeah. So, you know, there was there was still a few here, but it wasn't the activity that we're seeing today. Like now, you have a meetup for every uh, every language, every platform, every uh, interest group, which yeah. is great to see because um, the more that that segments into being specialised, then the better. I think. Um, you know, we've got more co-working spaces, and they're coming on. I think as the supplies building at about the pace of demand, which is good to see. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, in terms of funding options, you know, as much as, you know, we, we enjoyed being one of very few investors previously, I think it's really healthy to have a lot more and we're, we're seeing that come on. Um, yeah. I, can, I can count a lot more than I used to, and it's particularly in that stage that invest sub, uh, I guess, a million dollars into early stage companies and takes a bit of a risk. Um, so we're seeing yeah pretty much everything coming online. You know we didn't have uh, I guess Startmate and AngelCube were the the two first you know real um, cracks at a modern day accelerator that we saw in Melbourne and uh, Sydney. So that was this has all come around in the last half decade I suppose. Yeah. Um, so and within all that, any sector? I mean, you touched on fintech before. I mean, any sectors that you're particularly excited about or are going to focus your money on yeah i mean i like fintech uh, it's one of several themes that we're playing on in our portfolio but um for me personally it's it's of interest because that's the background that i've come from uh so having worked in finance for 10 years and then um venture for five it's now a time i can marry the two and um i guess uh, yeah bring i guess my two skill sets together so i'm excited uh, i think this is happening now because large financial institutions are having to pay attention they, they realize that these opportunities are at their doorstep so um the time is now and they're willing to to make bets and pick winners and yeah. um some i think you'll see some exits coming out of that space pretty quickly and so when you talk fintech are you talking disruptive fintech like bitcoin or more you know creative or you know slightly iterative fintech like you know peer-to-peer -peer lending yeah, I mean, it's more the latter for me. I'm, I'm not a Bitcoin fan personally. Um, I'm sure good things will come of it, and I'm, I'm interested in, I guess, 
the Bitcoin 2.0 and the blockchain. And certainly the technology. underlying technology is pretty interesting. Yeah, but would you call that fintech? I mean, that's the interesting I, I, thing. I would, yeah, it's, it's a grey area whether yeah. that's fintech or not. I wouldn't say it's sort of, in, in my view, it's not pure fintech. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me, fintech is, um, I guess, you're part of the financial institution's value chain, whether that be the market infrastructure, back office operations, or the front-facing and distribution side of things. Um, and I think we see opportunities in all sort of three subsectors of you know that value chain. So yeah. we're looking around at the moment, and you know peer-to-peer lending's um, certainly one that's coming up, and seeing a few um, pop their head up recently. Um, I guess robo advisory is one that uh, should change the wealth space. Um, and then, yeah, other things that probably I would barely even call fintech, but uh, more just financial innovation. But we haven't had an, an invoice factoring or financing um, market here for as far as I know. Um, yeah. Whereas in the UK, that's been around for a long time. So I think we'll find that it will fill in some of the gaps that we didn't previously have because the, the entrepreneurs and innovators are just looking around for the market opportunities. Um, but they'll do it in a way that's, you know, I guess... A typical of a, a startup, which is you know lean methodology and doing things on a, um, a, a rapid basis and in a capital efficient way and using modern uh, technologies to deliver it. So yeah. it's, it's a fairly interesting place in my mind. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just keeping my eye on the clock. You've got to jump in a conference call in two minutes. So uh, I mean, just maybe to, to close off, like what from our regulatory or a government standpoint what would you like to see done to to make this a better place for people like us who are trying to create more successful startups in australia well i think you know just to carry on on that fintech theme you know asic is is one of the key bodies that we need to actually come along this journey with us so i'd like to just see them having a dialogue with startups and um, people like ourselves to make sure that you know we're not losing out on good opportunities for good businesses to develop purely because there's some clauses in their regulatory um, rules that that stop certain things coming into fruition. Um, so I'm hoping that they follow the path of the UK and um, have a very, um, I guess. A process where they have a dialogue with all of these companies. Yeah, and crowdfunding. I mean, the the, the laws have just changed in the US, so it'd be great to see that here, eh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a double-edged sword for me on crowded crowdfunding. I think there's um, it's it's you need to be careful about who you bring on as investors. You want to bring in people that are more than just money and that provide you some value and um, help you know, be an yeah. advocate. And um, it doesn't take too many stories of little old granny and uh, you know the western suburbs losing their money to to get shut down pretty quick. Exactly, it goes both sides. You get people, the, the mum and dad investors that potentially lose their money. That'll become very that could be very publicised. And then on the flip side, you have small businesses that can get crushed because they have to report to way too many little investors that don't understand that this is a, a tough and long journey and it's not a mining stock that strikes uh, oil and gold and um, share yeah. price goes up in value. All right, well, I think we're out of time. So look, thank you so much, Darcy. Uh, it was fun and uh, good luck with raising the fund and getting it to work. Right, thanks very much. No problem.